Welcome in to the Fantasy Footballers DFS podcast. My name is Kyle Borgannoni, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's pronounced Matthew Betts. That is correct. Uh, not to be confused with B E T T S, also pronounced Betts. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, here we are. This is a, a super fun show that I'm excited to talk about. Uh, I think we might get into a fight tonight. I'm not really sure, or we'll just agree on everything and be best friends. But yeah, best ball rankings discrepancy show on on the pod today. So excited, man! And it's Friday, and we got a three day weekend ahead of us, and the UDK launches on June first. Like, just there's so many good things happening. So I'm excited, man. Let's 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 do it. Yeah, let's definitely disagree. I don't mind disagreeing with anyone uh, because it's totally okay. It's part of life. And with our best ball rankings bets that you and I are going to have live in the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus, part of the DFS Pass. There are some discrepancies that you and I have, so we will get to talk about those on the show. Uh, this is DFS for the rest of us. If this is the first time that you're listening to our show, one, welcome in, wherever you are. We know that most listeners, we've polled our audiences, and by polled them, Bets and I have talked about this before, we assume <laughs> that you're in the car or on the toilet, right? Or the, the other one in season last year was on the run. So you're either running on the toilet or in the car. You can't be anywhere else. And if you are, pause it and then go to those three places and then you can listen again. <laughs> I could just see people. They're like, I- I'm just at my desk. Like, or I'm 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 just I'm at walking home. the dog. Is that okay? No, no, it's not. So we're glad we're glad you're with us. But for us, DFS can be super complicated. Best ball can be super complicated. And so Betts and I want to walk you through some of the strategies. Uh, the way to think about best ball in a way that can be profitable. And it's just fun. Like best ball season is super fun. We're in the heat of the summer, you know, bets. I mean, what, what did you mowed the lawn today? Right. I did. You would think, you know, it's late May. It's Memorial day. Um, you could be outside in a tank top. No, I was outside in a sweatshirt because it was in the fifties here today in Vermont, which is where I live. Um, it was so hot, like the last two or three days. And all of a sudden now it's going to be cool this weekend. So not the best weather, but uh, you know, it, it's better than being insanely hot. Like if I had a choice, I would rather be cold, which is why I live in Vermont. I could not live in Arizona where the guys live. I don't, I, how do you live your life every single day in a hundred degrees? I kid not even fathom. So how do you live with team, yourself? Team cold, no. team cold weather over here. So, but the real question is, were you listening to DFS podcast while you were <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I was. Nice. Just, just, that's it. Monica, your wife knows, Hey, we only listen to this podcast at all times in our house, I hear myself 10 times through. That's how it yep. goes. And I just to help our stats, I listen on every platform. <laughs> once on Apple, once on Spotify, then I'm over on Stitcher. <laughs> I'm just everywhere. Dude, MySpace, those listens aren't what they used to be, but we're trying to up those as well. But No, it's sad. Some listeners might not even know what MySpace is. Well, you know what? Uh, we can explain. We should probably have a tutorial. That's where we're going to expand next is to talk about the history of the internet uh, explain how it works, which I could not tell you at all. Uh, but how about this, Bets? Speaking of the internet, what a great transition, right? Pro move. Speaking of the internet, uh, I want to talk about our DFS pass. And for our quick question, let's do some highlights last year. Maybe our favorite moments 
of what we did DFS this past year in 2020 of listeners. So not us bets. So, so not me and you, but listeners, what were the things that they gave feedback about that actually won them money? So you want to start us off with an example? I've got a couple that come to mind because honestly, man, and I don't, I don't, I really don't want to sound like tooting our own horn by saying this, but we had a lot of success with people reaching out to us last year and being like, wow, like great call this week or, you know, nice <coughs> job on that one. Like didn't think of that really good advice, things like that. So it was really good to hear. And the best, that's the best part of doing this is to be to help you guys, the listeners make some money, right? That's why we're playing DFS and for the fun and the sweat. But um, when it comes down to it, it, nothing better than cashing. Um, one awesome kind of thing that stuck out from last year in terms of the DFS pass specifically, I read up the Thursday Night Football showdown slate, which is just a different animal compared to what the normal main slate is. And I had, I remember uh, someone reached out to me. It was the week against the Saints where Mike Williams just went absolutely bananas last year. And I wrote him up as a great captain choice just to be contrarian in tournaments. And it worked out. So that was one uh, fun call from last year. And I'm glad someone made a lot of money on it. I kind of wish it was me. One of my favorite moments, which was painful for me, was I was at the beach one week. Do you remember this, bets? I recorded at the beach. And you were like in a closet. I was in a closet. And honestly, like I just couldn't give my full attention to DFS that week because I was with my family. And so I wrote up my articles. I knew I was going to record with you, but like I just couldn't give the same attention to my own lineups. And so I think I cashed that week. But at the end of the day, like I just couldn't give the same vigor um, with family and stuff like that. But in the pace of play article, I wrote up Derek Carr and Chase Claypool, who at the time Chase Claypool had really done nothing that year as my favorite, some of my favorite dart throws that week and Carr and Claypool ended up being the quarterback one and the wide receiver one that week. And Claypool's that week that he went off for four touchdowns. And, you know, here's a screenshot that I put in our show doc, but someone said they built their lineup around guys that we suggested in, in the Millie maker. This guy put in 40 bucks bets and he won 15,000. Like he's going to mail some of that to us, right? I would assume so. That's I think that's how this thing works. That's what I was told anyway. Yeah. So basically in the DFS pass, we get to write up some of our favorite dart throws. And so someone finished seventh overall. We had someone else that got 10th in the FanDuel Millie Maker. And he literally said, I listened to the podcast. I took your exact picks from the DFS pass. And that's what I went with. So we're not trying to say that all of our picks are perfect. There's a process for all of us. But, you know, for a really, really cheap price right now, you can get it before June 1st. You can get the DFS pass and you get it for $40 cheaper than what it's going to be at full price. So right now it's $50 to get the UDK plus, And we think it's a crazy awesome deal. You can actually return that in just one week uh, in the way that we teach cash. So we think it's a sweet deal. But anything else you want to add, Bets? Yeah, just to add to how good that deal is. Again, it's by June 1st. So by the time you're listening, it might be Saturday this weekend, Sunday, Monday on Memorial Day. Like You have one day to do this. For the price that it is, I calculated it out, it's $6.25 per month because we go through the Super Bowl. Kyle and I are out here grinding two game slates, three game slates, the showdown slate, player props, etc., all the way through February. So if you're getting this thing now, you're getting obviously all the amazing content from Andy, Mike, and Jason in the UDK, and obviously we're putting in work behind the scenes for that too. But now you're getting this for six bucks a month. I mean, it literally, it's like, I, I like Andy, Mike, and Jason, but... They're kind of idiots for offering at this low price. It's so, so, so silly. Um, unbelievable value. Go scoop it up. Yeah, and I always tell people, my wife, she asks about fantasy football, and you know, I have a couple of leagues where 
you know, the, the buy-in's like a hundred dollars. Like, but I'm like, I get four months worth of entertainment for a hundred dollars. Like that's pretty wild. What a deal. That you can say that. So basically bets, are you saying if people want to hang out with us for $6 a month for the next like six months, I mean, we're cheaper than Netflix. That's all I'm saying. Whoa. that that's going to be the new tagline. And I feel like that's going to take us places. So thank you for that, that marketing (laughs) pitch that was carefully crafted. Uh, I really appreciate it. But you can go online at ultimatedraftkit.com. You can follow Betts and I on Twitter. Betts is at the Fantasy PT. He has more followers than myself. And I'm okay with that because you give really good injury analysis. And uh, I think you're better at Twitter than I am. Well, you know, like when your mom follows you and your, you know, your uncle and your aunt and cousins, like it adds up quick. So, it, <laughs> you know, that's one way to do it for sure. You can follow me at Kyle underscore Borg. Follow the Ballers, of course, at at, uh, the FF Ballers. So, yeah, we're going to talk today about best ball rankings and some of our discrepancies. So, Betts, why don't we get into this? Best ball bonanza. Wouldn't that drop awesome, Betts? The best, best ball bonanza. It's one of my favorites. It is a personal favorite. So today, Betts and I are going to go through a couple of best ball rankings discrepancies. We're going to talk through some players at each position, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end, that we have either a differing opinion on between the two of us or between ADP. So we use underdog ADP. That's where we play. But I also play a little bit on DraftKings. Uh, DraftKings has best ball as well. But we're going to be talking about underdog ADP. And our rankings are also found in the UDK Plus. So that's what we're going to be going off of here. But Betts, I want you to start us off with arguably the best hairy-chested man in the league. And that's our boy, Ryan Joseph Fitzpatrick. Yes, confirmed. The best chest hair in the league by far. Also the best beard. I mean, we're talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick here. And the reason I have him on the show, Doc, is because I am much higher than consensus in terms of rankings for Ryan Fitzpatrick. If you listen to our last couple of shows, you've heard that I'm pretty bullish on Washington to win the NFC East. I'm also bullish on them to go out and win at least eight, eight and a half games, depending on which uh, line you got when you bet it. Hopefully you did. And if that happens, they're not going to turn away from Ryan Fitzpatrick. He has the lowest probability, in my opinion, of getting benched at this point in his career with this team and the way the depth chart is currently unfolding. We've seen over the course of time, you know, is it Jameis Winston with the Bucks or is it Fitzpatrick? And they were kind of went in back and forth. And we've seen that over the years through Fitz's career. But he is locked in to be this team's starter. And you were getting him currently at 152 and underdog ADP, basically the quarterback 21. So you don't even need him to be that good at his price for this to pay off. I love Fitzpatrick, man. You look at his last 20 starts going back to 2019, his average finish, the quarterback 12.9, a.k.a. almost a quarterback one on average. In that time span, he's got 12 top 10 weeks going back to those 20 starts. So he has ceiling, and we've seen that before. Good weapons, and obviously Antonio Gibson. I freaking love Terry McLaurin. Curtis Samuel is really exciting here entering this, this system with Scott Turner at OC. 
And the thing I like about Fitz the most is not only is he going to be elevated, but you're looking at this entire stack situation. Like you can stack all these guys if you want to. Well, maybe not all of them, but you can stack a couple of them if you want to. You know, you can get Fitz at an affordable price. Gibson isn't too expensive. He's a running back too. Terry McLaurin is at wide receiver 13, et cetera. Go down the board to Curtis Samuel, Deami Brown, Logan Thomas. There's just a lot of ways that you can get creative here if you're stacking to create upside. And to me, of the quarterbacks that don't run the football, Ryan Fitzpatrick at this ADP probably has more upside than any any quarterback going after him in draft. So absolutely love him at the price that he's at right now. Yeah, at ADP, he's 152, which is 13, 14th round, depending on when that happens. So it's hard to argue against that, like anybody that's that late in a draft. Can I give the counter argument, sir? Definitely not. So is there any fear, just to be honest, with Fitzpatrick not playing the full 17 games? Not really. I just, you know, like looking at the situation, the only way that it happens is if like the defense props up the team and then he kind of falls off and he's letting them down and then they say, okay, like we need to make a switch. But I just don't see that happening based off the fact that, you know, currently it's Taylor Heineke is their quarterback too. Like he played one playoff game and played all right. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it seems like the most secure situation that he's had, but certainly he's erratic and he has turnovers and things like that. And if the coaching staff says, all right, man, your chest hair is sweet, but those, those turnovers are not, <laughs> then we need to make a switch. So I, that definitely is in the realm of possibility for sure. Yeah. So if you are building a, a stack or let's just say you're building a roster, I'm assuming Fitzpatrick is your quarterback two or three. Absolutely. Yeah. At this point, I mean, the way I approach quarterback in general in best ball is you either want two or three don't ever take four the the data has shown that it's actually a negative um in terms of your outlook and of success so either two or three if you take someone super early let's say it's a josh allen a kyler murray a patrick mahomes if you get fits as your quarterback too that is just immense upside at quarterback every single week to get two guys that any given week and finishes the quarterback one absolutely love that pairing there so yes if i'm going quarterback early for me it's it's fits as my qb2 absolutely so don't hear what I'm not saying. I love Fitz. If you go on our website, 25 Ryan Fitzpatrick facts to change your life or to make you rethink your life. Best article of, of the offseason. I've spent a lot down. of time on this man and I respect him. His playing style does scare me. He hasn't played a full season since 2011 with the Jets. And part of that's been circumstances. Part of that is like he probably should have kept playing last year, but then Tua took over. So um, I don't want to just stay on just that stat, but his playing style is reckless and he's been known and he's at the point of his career. He's just like, screw it. I'm just going to run the ball. So um, I'm not like saying don't ever draft him, but he's in my rankings right now at QB 26 and I'm much lower. Like I look across the board, the ballers have him at 22 underdog has him at 21. You're the highest at 19. So I get it. I totally understand the upside and I like the weapons as well. And I like that the weapons, you can get them at cheaper prices. So I'm not saying don't get fits at his price tag, but I probably won't have him on as many stacks this year. And I feel okay with that because there are a lot of quarterbacks in that range, but um, I appreciate Ryan Joseph Fitzpatrick. Speaking of Joseph, Joseph Lee Burrow and bets. This is going to be a theme. I'm a big fan of middle names when it comes to NFL players so you're going to be hearing me spitting fire about every single one of these players and their families that are listening are going to say thank you for pointing that out. It's a huge part of their life, so we have to honor it. I know. D have we discussed your middle name on this podcast before? We haven't, and we probably won't. I'm not sure. Are we going to do it? 
I mean, you don't have to. I will. Gl- I will. I'm. I'm as bare chested as Ryan Fitzpatrick could be in proclaiming my middle name. <laughs> All right. What's yours? Then I'll. I'll say mine. My middle name is Houston, which is actually my son's name. So I feel pretty excited. Um, Houston was actually my grandmother's maiden name. So it's pretty like important. That's a big name. deal. I know, and and I feel good about it. But you don't that's, have to. That's a big yours. deal. Mine is Douglas, my dad's name. <laughs> now I got to call you Dougie. It. <laughs> that's all so, there is to it. <laughs> let's go back to Joseph Lee Burrow. Yeah, Joe Burrow. And right now in underdog ADP, he's going 91st overall. He's the quarterback nine bets. That's expensive. Quarterback nine territory for a guy coming off of multiple injuries is not something I feel comfortable with. I know we just got the news recently that he's supposed to be fine for week one. I think I don't buy that at all. So tell me on the injury front, am I crazy to think that Joe Burrow is not going to be ready week one? So there's such a a big gap in terms of like the term ready for week one versus is this player back to full strength at 100%. And that's the that's the issue that I kind of, you know, oftentimes talk about or write about on the show on the on the you know the website or in the UDK like the Joe Burrow breakdown is in there fully if you bought the ultimate draft kit it's in there. But basically the idea is like he'll probably be active week one. He'll probably start week one. I do not doubt that at all. But you're talking about a player who's coming off of a November injury for an ACL, MCL, and additional damage inside the knee joint, we just know that basically it means cartilage or meniscus, and those take a lot longer to get a player back to full strength because the rehab is slow. You kind of have to protect it. It just heals slower than the other the other components there. So yeah, I don't think Joe Burrow is 100% week one. I highly doubt he's 100% week one. Now, with that being said, is he going to play? I do think he will. It's just a matter of what does that mean for fantasy? And, and maybe that can kind of be your, you know, talking point here like you're lower obviously um i am too relative to adp but what's your thought there in terms of where he's going to be relative to 100 percent? yeah i think it's you know i get the temptation with burrow like he has rushing upside he has some exciting young weapons that we like you know in higgins boyd and jamar chase we like joe mixon he's got nothing at tight end he's got a stool sample uh, at tight end drew sample so the reality is I think that this has elevated him to a price where I just don't see it. I just can't see him finishing there, um, not only due to his injury, but like his playing style. I mentioned this in his draft profile when he came in the league. Like he's actually a little reckless when he runs. And that's the kind of thing that sets you up. He didn't have big hits in college. And when he did sustain one, you know, against Washington, like he was out for the whole year. So I, that scares me a little bit. He also was really poor on deep throws, like atrociously poor in terms of connecting with AJ Green, T Higgins. Like you look at their, you look at their metrics in terms of 20 plus yard attempts, like it's terrible. So I think you're having to buy him at a place where he has to return value. Like I think he's more of like QB 12 to 16 or 17. And I feel comfortable there. But my question for you bets is if I'm out on Burrow at his current price tag, does that mean that I should probably be more out on these receivers in terms of best ball for Cincinnati? I don't necessarily think you have to be out on all of them. I certainly wouldn't go like Bengals stack if that's the case, because obviously for this to work, you need Joe Burrow as a part of it. Unless you're looking at um, an offense that you really trust to be prolific for fantasy. And this is kind of the, the, the misnomer out there in DFS best ball world. Like everyone knows about stacking or most people do at this point. 
But there's this idea that you have to stack the quarterback always with the wide receiver. But in best ball, you're basically making a forecasting type of move to say, this year, I think this team is going to have a great year. Let's say, just because we never talk about this team, let's talk about the Falcons. I think the Falcons are going to have a great year this year. Well, if you miss out on Matt Ryan, but you still have Kyle Pitts and you still have Calvin Ridley and you got Mike Davis, like if the team gets there, those players will get there in the end because you have a bigger sample. So I do think that there's still some value in these Cincinnati pass catchers, even if you don't go full Bengals stack. Um, but given that I expect Joe Burrow coming off the knee injury to not run the ball as much as maybe he has in the past, I do think that limits their downside uh, a little bit when you talk about the overall ability to reach their full ceiling with Joe Burrow. Because if he doesn't run, we need the wide receivers there to kind of elevate him a little bit. So, yeah, it's an interesting point. I haven't really thought about that too much. But I will say, just looking at his ADP over the last four or five, six weeks, you recall you and I did a Best Ball Mania draft together about a month ago. I went full Bengals stack because there was so much value. And now every single one of those guys is up at least three, four, five, six spots in ADP. And I'm starting to get to a point where I'm like, I don't I don't know that it makes sense anymore. So I think that's why there's value in drafting early because you can get some values and then you can kind of go, you know what, now it's past the point, I'm hands off. That's a great point because when we're talking about these stacks, it really does depend on when you draft. Like you, if you were drafting Burrow, maybe you got him bets. I mean, we'd ha- we could have to look back at your draft like at QB 15, which is where I have him ranked. I'm fine with that. I'm totally fine with that. But right now at QB 9, like that's just too expensive for me. So uh, no, thank you on Burrow. And you know, the, the thing about this Bengals team is, are they going to win six games? Like that's kind of where we had their line. I think there were six and a half. Like we were kind of saying in our win totals pod, like, eh, I don't know about it. There is a quote with Zach Taylor recently where he said, we're now a team on a mission. I was like, what the heck are you guys doing for the last two years then? <laughs> <laughs> like, He's he's just yet to prove that he's anything special. Like so far, they've basically been running three wide receivers and it hasn't worked out. So I'm not against the Bengals. They're a fun team. I think we'll be talking about them in DFS because that's a different way to approach them. But Joe Burrow as a whole, um, I'm out on quarterback. Let's move to running back. And I actually really like your take here. Give me a running back that you see some discrepancy. All right, man. Listen. The hate has gone too far. Ezekiel Elliott is going off as most people's, let's say like running back six to 10, somewhere in that range is what I've seen across the industry. His ADP is at nine right now on underdog as the running back seven. You're talking about a player here's, and and this is what I love about our website, the fantasyfootballers.com. Kyle, perhaps you've heard of it. Uh, Looking at the consistency charts, you're looking at a player who finishes the running back 11, four, five, 10 and two since he entered the league in 2016. And now, you know, just a year removed from just the fallout of Dak and the Cowboys being a bad offense while having an immense number of injuries on the offensive line. Just a year ago, you've rewind 12 months. He's going as the running back one, two, three, or four in every single draft. And now nothing has changed on offense. And all of a sudden he's a back half of the first round type of guy. Sometimes I've seen him in round two, early round two drafts. It doesn't make any sense for a player that you know is going to touch the ball a ton on an offense that we like and that Dallas projects to be pretty good because here's the newsflash. The defense is still bad despite spending a first round pick on Michael Parsons. So, yeah, to me, the, the hate's gone too far with Zeke. You know, I've, I've been pretty vocal in general about like in Dynasty, there's a little worry. You know, is he going to be there long term? I don't know. But they're committed to him this year. He's going to get a ton of, of touches. 
the offensive line's back, Dak's back. So to me, um, seeing him at running back seven is is massive value. Yeah, I just think that you're you're right. The hate has gone too far. You haven't met running back four. I haven't met running back six, which I thought when I made my rankings and I compared them to ADP, I thought I was high on him bets, but you actually by far the highest. Uh, ballers have met running back seven. So I think what you're saying is if you can get Zeke ahead of ADP, that's okay. Like it's totally okay in the first round if you take him, you know, a couple spots ahead of ADP. You also will have a different construction of a lineup from other people who are kind of waiting on Zeke. And a lot of people are basically saying, I don't want Zeke. I want Dak and the pass catchers. So if you want to get a little different, I think that's a good way to stack it. Um, so I'm so I'm fine with that. Uh, do we know anything about offensive line health or or just Zeke in general? Like he's not that old. Like he's 25 years old. We shouldn't be worried about him injury wise. No, he's been a guy who's just been insanely durable and productive. Obviously through his time in the NFL, going back to you know his his five seasons here, um, he's averaging 24.3 touches per game. And again, we're talking touches, not just rush attempts. He gets the ball out of the backfield. So yeah, nothing in his injury history worries me. He had a mild hamstring issue last year. He was also on the COVID list before the season started. And, you know, you'll hear players talk about that. Like that affected them for several weeks. We heard it with Cam Newton last year, for example. So yeah, there's a lot to like about the bounce back appeal of Zeke. And then, yeah, you look at the offensive line. You know, they lost Zach Martin. They had Lyle Collins. Um, who's the right tackle? He's slipping my my mind right now. Collins played right tackle for a lot of it. And then Tyron Smith okay. played left. Tyron Smith. Thank you. Yes. All those guys are back. And yes, they are getting a little bit older. They're, you know, they're veterans, but um, they're all injuries that sort of seem to be more of a um, one and done situation. So it gives me more confidence that I do think this Dallas offense really can get going here in 2021. Yeah, I, I like Zeke. And we had a discussion earlier. Shout out to our fantasy footballers writing staff. We had a call right before this podcast we recorded where we talked about different tiers. And I, I think, Betts, you said, like, I don't mind putting Zeke in one of the top two tiers. I think right For now sure. it's it's kind of CMC and Dalvin in the top tier. But you said, like, I don't mind if in that next group it's Kamara, it's Saquon, and it's Zeke. Is that how you're seeing it? For sure, yeah. I, the thing with this you know, ADP right now is, like, it almost feels like you're drafting Zeke Unless, and obviously all this stuff is caveat, if he gets hurt, well, okay, obviously that's not right, but it almost feels like you're drafting him at his floor. Like if he plays 15 games, you know, it's a 17 game season, let's say he misses one or two, like how, with this offense and how much work he gets, how does he not finish inside those, you know, top four, five, six running backs? It, it just, to me, is a player I really want to be high on in, uh, in best ball and obviously like take a stance early to make sure I get a ton of shares of him in my best ball drafts. What's funny about Zeke is in Dynasty, it feels like you're supposed to be on the way out with him. But in redraft, I think 2021 is still a year where you can do that. So it's kind of funny to think about a player and, de and depending on what format, best ball, you know, redraft, Dynasty, we're going to be talking about DFS, obviously, on this podcast. Like Zeke's all over the place for a lot of people, but I think he's still valuable. So moving from Ezekiel Elijah Elliott so he's got three E's. I don't know if you knew that about his name. I want to move to a player bets that, boy, does he have a name. And most people oh. don't know this. Algiers Jamal Dillon. I'm talking about AJ Dillon. Did you know that was his first name? I did not, but it is phenomenal. I feel like 
people need to know this about AJ Dillon. First off, I just want to say that his thighs, they are real and they are spectacular. They're beautiful. Oh my gosh. Did you see the most recent picture? I did. Him and Aaron Jones? Yes. His thighs are so big. He has a wedgie and he doesn't even know what to do with it. Like Literally, his shorts are just like engulfed in his butt because his <laughs> thighs are so big, man. Quadzilla. Oh my gosh. How can you not like this guy? Does he know how popular he is on Twitter? And in terms of like, I've never heard him speak a word. I haven't heard an interview, but a part of his body is popular on Twitter. Like, does he understand that? That's when you know you made it. Yeah. If someone's like, man, Kyle's nose, we're going to be talking about. No, no one's going to be talking about that. I do have a big (laughs) schnoz, by the way. Um, So let's talk about AJ Dillon. So you and I, dude, I think are really high on AJ Dillon, like, extremely high on him right now. We have him at RB 31 and that's for best ball. So be, be clear. This is best ball where you're trying to get first. You're going Ricky Bobby. You're either first or you're last. That's, that's what we're, we're trying to preach here. And that is a lot, you know, a lot more ahead of where underdog ADP is RB 39 on the ballers redraft rankings. He's RB 43 bets. Are we crazy for liking this guy this much? I don't think so. And again, it's a huge distinction. You know, I would not take him at this ADP that or this ranking rather um, in a redraft league. So it need to be very, very clear about that. In best ball, like you said, you're basically taking AJ Dillon or Algiers Jamil Dillon uh, as a way to basically say like, okay, if something happens to Aaron Jones, I have a top, what would you say? Maybe 15 running back and you're going to get him way, way later. So there's so much upside in taking him above ADP that if anything happens, you have this guy and he, he fits kind of that zero RB build. If you're not familiar, basically just means that you're forgoing some of the top, you know, heavy running back builds to get these value picks later and kind of hope that things fall apart. Because when you look at the way to kind of get different in these best ball tournaments is to sort of just take a different approach than maybe other drafters. One way to do that is to pass on Aaron Jones and to really invest here in AJ Dillon in the event something happens. But let's be honest, right? Like we talked about it last year. I remember a lot with like Jameson Crowder and guys like that that are just more like, you know, they're going to get you points. In these tournaments, you have to get to the finish line for it to even matter. This backfield is not going to be Aaron Jones 90% of the work. It is going to be a split backfield. Now, is AJ Dillon going to catch the football? I'm not sure. I would obviously love to see that. But, you know, Aaron Jones is just so efficient. He just hasn't done it on a ton of touches. So AJ Dillon is going to play a lot for this team. And assuming Aaron Rodgers is back with this team, which I think he will be, then you're going to get AJ Dillon here above consensus. And I think come season's end, you might be happy about it because he could fall in the end zone, what, eight to 10 times. And all of a sudden, you know, he's a a valuable RB2 slash three for your your best ball team. And that's what you hit the nail on the head. Like for redraft, please, please do not draft AJ Dillon what we're saying, but we're saying we want you to get them above the ADP right now. He's going at a a pick 110 in underdog ADP. So he's like ninth, 10th round. And I think that's fine. I think that's actually fine in redraft. Like if you wanted to go there, but you know, you're not planning on starting him in redraft in best ball. You're hoping that he's your RB three or four that can kind of propel you in a way. And basically We've talked about best ball builds and we'll talk about this with our strategies. We'll talk about some roster construction, but for fragile builds in best ball, you want maybe four running backs bets, maybe five. Yeah. Like if you're thinking about going RB heavy, which is I think what you're describing, you're basically saying like when I invest this much draft capital early in my draft in running backs, 
I'm banking on these studs being my RB1 and RB2 to get me through and and just if, hope they stay healthy. That's basically what you're saying. And in that sort of situation, you don't want to invest a lot into running backs. You want to take, you know, two studs, maybe three studs, and then like a value pick later, or just go four you know, studs and then, you know, wide receivers, et cetera. So yeah, you're basically saying four, five max for that strategy. I've kind of capped it at four personally, but I think five is okay depending on the, the players you get. I think AJ Dillon is one of my favorite picks in best ball this year because he really is a first or worse. Like that's that's the kind of player that you're getting. And I know that like you can spin a narrative for so many different players, especially backups, like Alexander Madison, Tony Pollard. I just think Dylan is built for this team to be able to use. And I'm not projecting injury for Aaron Jones by any means, but I just like Dylan. I like what we saw. We, we, in week 16 against Tennessee, he went for 124 and two. Like we've seen a glimpse of this guy be able to do it at the NFL level. And he's about as close as you can get to Derrick Henry. Like, I wouldn't call him Derrick Henry light, but he's like, I don't know, 70%, 75% of Derrick Henry, which is just, he's an outlier of a player. So that's as close as you're going to get. And I just like him. He's an RB4 that I'm getting in some of my drafts. And so I'd encourage you, if you wanted to get him ahead of ADP around, I think that's smart. And for best ball mania, in particular, the tournaments bets and I've been playing, uh, I think he's a great pick. So let's go with a wide receiver next. And Betts, I know, you know, you've been thinking about this guy and thinking about his full name, but I just want to make sure the audience knows that Debo Samuel is actually Tyshun Raekwon Debo Samuel. His father actually named him Debo after the movie uh, Friday, next Friday. Um, it, for those of you listening at home, like that's, that's where it came from. So uh, tell me about Debo. Come for the DFS slash best ball talk. Stay for the, the middle names. Um, what a name. Yeah, for me, dude, Debo, I just I don't really know where to put him in terms of where I see him being a like end of season looking back. You could tell me like this guy had an awesome year. He finishes the wide receiver 25. He was really usable in fantasy. Your best ball teams liked having him. And you could tell me a story where he's like wide receiver 50. And I'm like, I really wish I didn't have him on my team. And my ranking reflects that side of things because for me, looking at his rank, which actually we're um, together on here on the ranks. I have him at 43, as you do. And then you look at um, the ballers. They're at 32. Underdog ADP is going uh, at pick 78. Like, if Trey Lance starts a lot of football games for this team, which you look at the data, you look at the history of quarterbacks taken in the top 10 of the NFL draft, clearly Trey Lance at number three, those guys play in year one. Trey Lance ran for 1,100 yards in college, in a college season. Now, is he going to be the same player in the NFL? We don't know. But if he is, like, how is there enough volume to go around for Debo, for Ayuk, who people love, for George Kittle, who's going as the tight end, I think three, if I remember correctly, or two, depending on where you have him in your ranks. Like, he just can't support all three. And we've seen that with Russian quarterbacks. Look at Lamar Jackson. He supported Mark Andrews, but not Hollywood Brown. You know, Jalen Hurts last year didn't really support any wide receiver in his starts, like those types of guys. So... I just, to me, like Debo is so, like, he's such an enigma that he's a fun player to root for, but I'm lower than consensus on in best ball because I just don't know that he really fits the type of player that I want at wide receiver. Like I want those huge spike weeks where you're going to get three to five catches for a hundred yards and two touchdowns. Debo does not have that in his game because of the way that they use him around the line of scrimmage. So love him, super fun player to root for, 
Um, more interested in redraft than in best ball. But yeah, his ADP, I think I'm out on Debo this year, which is kind of unfortunate. I think that's the right take. It's a difference between redraft and best ball because you can replace a player in redraft. If you're getting Debo at, let's say, wide receiver, the ballers have him at wide receiver 32. That's fine. I don't mind that in terms of rankings, but you can replace that. You can't do that in best ball. And so you and I are much lower right now. You mentioned he's going to pick 78. I have him at 116 bets. So like a full Ooh. four rounds later. Is that crazy? Get wrecked. Get wrecked, Debo. Sorry, man. <laughs> I I just, I, I can't do it. And I think with Lance, you know, best case scenario, like he has a crazy rookie season. He sets records. I think what's actually more in the medium projection bets is that Garoppolo starts a couple games. Maybe Lance comes in weeks, weeks three, four, five, six. I don't know, somewhere around there. And then he has like a Cam Newton-esque season. Like it's it's kind of like he has a season like what we saw last year where the passing volume's low. They run the ball a ton because they're really good at it. Their defense is good. And then you don't have any wide receivers. Like the Patriots had the lowest amount of wide receiver fantasy points in the NFL last year. And I'm not projecting that for the Niners. But between Ayuk and Debo, they're just not two players that I'm really, you know, clicking that much in best ball. So I just... I just feel like it's just not somewhere I want. And then we didn't even see Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle play that much together last year. Yeah, just four games all year with all three of those guys were on the field. Debo's finishes in those games. Wide receiver 41, wide receiver 78. He had a wide receiver 14 finish, which was great. And then wide receiver 41. It's a small sample size. We don't really know how it's going to turn out, but... Um, it just it gives you zero confidence in their ability to support all of these players with consistency. So I guess my question for you, Kyle, is like if you're if you disagree with us, which is fine, let us know your thoughts. You know, reach out to us on Twitter. Let us know. But if you're in on Debo, like, are you out on Ayuk? Are you out on Kittle, Kittle too? Because like I feel like you can't make a, a triple stack or a double stack with this team because we just know that they kind of like eat into each other. Is that how you're approaching the Niners? Yeah, I think that's the the main thought is that. Lance is an intriguing piece. Don't get me wrong. Like Lance is one of those players that if you got as your quarterback too, he has a rushing upside. We preach that about whoever your quarterback is late. If they have legs, if it's a fields, if it's Lance, if it's even, I don't know, Daniel Jones, like at least, you know, these quarterbacks can run the ball. That's what you want in terms of best ball. But yeah, I can't really fully stack this team because they rely so much on the run and rely on their defense. Like they had the third most combined running back fantasy points last year. That's crazy considering like Mostert was hurt. Wilson was hurt. Tevin Coleman was like, it was just a revolving door at running back. And that's just kind of like what they're good at. And so I respect the Niners. I think they're going to be a good team, but for fantasy purposes and for best ball purposes, I just don't see the same spike weeks that you mentioned. So yeah, I'm, I'm out on D-ball at like, I, I probably won't have him anywhere. Me too. That's Me too. I just traded my only share of him in dynasty as well. <laughs> I like him as a player, but like, yeah. it wouldn't shock me. And just clarify in terms of injury, he's not injury prone, but he plays in a way that's asking for injuries. It's piling up too. You know, like the, the last year was kind of tricky because he had the fractured foot the Jones fracture in the summer. So like entering week one, you just knew like he would never really be himself. And he missed a couple of games actually to start the year, picked up the hamstring issue, aggravated it. So like, I definitely think there's a scenario where Debo comes back and plays 
close to a full season or at least like, you know, 13, 14 games, that sort of thing. So don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not out on Debo as a player. I think he can still provide value in your redraft leagues. But yeah, for best ball, um, it just I don't see the ceiling that I want. Again, in best ball, we're trying to win first place. There is no such thing as like getting third and being happy about it. So Debo, to me, doesn't have that sort of ceiling that you need to go Ricky Bobby style and go, uh, if you ain't first, you're last. So Debo is picked in the early second round of the draft. I'm going to go with another player, Betts. That was also drafted towards the beginning of the second round. I'm going to go with Michael K. Pittman. And I'm just going to say, I spent a lot of time searching for Michael Pittman's middle name (laughs) on Google. I can't believe you're getting paid to do this. (laughs) (laughs) This is, this is, uh, this is my job. If you guys want to hit me up, I do have a really sweet, sweet Google doc that has a lot of players, middle names in the NFL. And it's one of my, uh, (laughs) It's one of my true shining examples of being employed by the fantasy footballers because AJ Dillon was Algiers Jamal Dillon, but AJ Green is very different. Like it's Adriel Jeremiah Green. I mean, those are different names. But the only reason why I could actually stick in a letter is because we know Michael Pittman Sr.'s middle name starts with a K, but um, he's played for the Bucks. You know, he's a running back. But anyway, his son. Michael K. Pittman Jr. I'm actually pretty bullish on him this year. And right now, I'm probably insanely high. I have him at wide receiver 36. So he's a wide receiver three, in my opinion, in terms of best ball. And I've had a lot of shares of him. It's way above ADP. It's way above the ballers consensus. You have him at wide receiver 41, which is a bit more tempered than I think uh, maybe I am. So Michael Pittman, it's about opportunity And it's about the intangibles of what could he be? And I think a lot of people aren't looking at that right now. A lot of people are down on Carson Wentz, and I totally understand. You as an Eagles fan can totally, you know, relate. But Michael Pittman could be the number one in this offense, and could he be a top 36 wide receiver? What do you think? Is it in the range of outcomes? Yes, definitely. Um, Is it likely? I, I don't think so. But again, it's not that you can't really see the scenario like you can see the path right ty hilton last year was one of the biggest fades in fantasy for a reason for me and it's because he's an aging player with a history of multiple soft tissue injuries over and over again for the last three four seasons and he's coming back but like what does he have left in the tank i'm not sure i think he probably helps the colts more than our fantasy rosters or our best ball rosters but you're looking at a situation where if he can actually get to that ceiling it's because carson wentz is still actually a good quarterback and last year was just a fluke which gosh that was so rough to watch but he's going to a situation where he gets out of you know that that big media market in philly he goes to indy um he goes back with frank reich a system he's familiar with that really does emphasize getting the ball out of the hands of the quarterback quickly which if you watch carson Wentz last year when he held onto the ball oh my gosh that was rough so i think carson Wentz could actually bounce back here and, and there's no one that's stacking these guys to create leverage and be different in these tournaments that's not named Kyle <laughs> in your draft. So I think there's some value in being different. I'm a little more tempered in that just because, you know, there is risk. Doubt, you know, undoubtedly, there is risk with Michael Pittman, with the entire offense, and the fact that we just know it, Carson Wentz could play three games and they could be like, all right, man, yeah, you're out, dude. Like, you're done. So there's some risks there, but I definitely see your argument in terms of, you know, he has the ceiling to get there, especially if you believe he can take a step forward here in year two. Yeah, and just hear me out. Wide receiver 36 isn't like, you know, I'm not saying he's going to 
blow the doors off. Like I'm not asking for like a 1200 yard season. I am asking for Michael Pittman to be the number one in Indianapolis. And he's just different than other wide receivers. Like he's six, four. That's very different than T Y Hilton. It's very different than Paris Campbell. That's different than Zach Pascal. Like he's just has a different skill set. And so, you know, I think he's just in a position where I can get him on a lot of my teams. You know, he's going at pick 103 on underdog. So I can get him. I've got him in a lot of drafts as my wide receiver four. I even got him as wide receiver five somewhere. So I'm not asking him to like totally perform for my team. I'm not counting on him, but I think he's in a position where if he does outperform his ADP, I think I have a leg up on the competition and I have stacked him with Wentz. Like Wentz is going so late. He's in the Daniel Jones category. And last year through the first like six weeks of the season, he was like a top 10 quarterback. So don't just, don't just think like everything went wrong. Like it was fine for fantasy for real life NFL. The Eagles were a disaster. You guys were a disaster bets, but thank you very much for pointing that out. That's that was fun. And I will just piggyback on that really quick. We talked about this a lot. That division is horrific. You're talking about two games against the Texans, two games against the Jaguars defense. The Tennessee Titans had a bottom five defense in every category last year. So he's getting six games this year against cake matchups, presumably. Obviously, things can change, but presumably against bad defenses. And the offensive line in Philly was so banged up last year. Now he goes to one of the best offensive lines in football. You can tell yourself a story for sure. Yeah, and Pittman, I don't know if you guys remember this, but last year, the last time we saw him was against the Bills in the playoffs. He went for over 100 yards. He was awesome. I remember playing him in DFS. Yeah, Michael Pittman. So maybe that's weighing a lot on my mind. But at his ADP, I will be above the consensus. So last position here, Bets, And I like both of the guys we're going to talk about here. I mean, this is a fun category because I think a lot of people approach best ball and say, oh, I got to get Kelsey, Kittle, Waller. And then after that, what do you do? So these are two candidates that you and I are actually a little bit more bullish on. And give me the guy uh, that you want to talk about. Oh, I'm getting hot and bothered just thinking about this. I am in on Tyler Higby this year. And you and I are in lockstep here at tight end seven in the ranks. He is currently going as tight end 10. So I feel like that's a tight end. Like you can't get that different later in like the, the, you know, the tight end ones. But I feel like that's kind of an aggressive ranking on Higby to make sure that the DFS pass subscribers get him on your roster because Here's the scenario. Gerald Everett, if you recall last year during the season, Mount Everett, as Kyle said, uh, Gerald Everett is out of town. (laughs) He is now playing with a massive upgrade at quarterback. We're getting Matthew Stafford in. I really feel like we're going to see just this Rams offense unleashed because Sean McVay had to keep the training wheels on for Jared Goff. You hear the stories like he's he's changing the play for him at the line of scrimmage. He's, He's dictating everything. He's just giving him layup throws. Matthew Stafford is such an underrated quarterback, and now he's getting Tyler Higby, who we've seen him have success, you know, with T.J. Hawkins in Detroit, um, et cetera, Eric Ebron, kind of. Um, but really, it's the excitement about the fact that Gerald Everett isn't there. It's presumably going to be a really good offense. And you look at, you know, in this range, again, I don't care about finishing fourth. I want to finish first. There is not a tight end that's going in this range that has the massive upside that we saw from Tyler Higby two years ago. Listen to these stat lines, if you guys recall, those last couple games down the stretch without Gerald Everett in the lineup. Seven catches, 170, 107 yards, excuse me, one touchdown. Seven catches, 116. 12 catches, 111. Nine, 104. Eight for 84 and a touchdown. That all happened in consecutive weeks. 
you're looking for a player in this range who can break the mold of the late round tight end and become the tight end two or three in fantasy. There's no one in this list that goes around him that can do it outside of Tyler Higby. So I want to be higher on him than consensus to make sure I get a few shares of him uh, on my rosters this year. Higby is going to be an every down player. And, you know, we think about him as being this pass catching, you know, kind of more PPR guy because he had that crazy end of the season, like you mentioned. The Duke can block. He's going to be on the field all the time. And as you mentioned, with Gerald Everett out, it's a very clear path. Last year, you know, that was the conversation before the season. Like, is that, you know, five-game sample size, is that real? And he had a three-touchdown game in week two, and then from then on, he was basically a tease. But he's he's a good player. He knows how to get open. He's on a good offense. And I really like him, like you said, at his ADP. I think you can get him on a lot of teams. You and I are ahead of consensus at tight end seven. So in terms of your builds bets, is he one of those players where if you get Kelsey Kittle, like don't go for Higby? Or is he like fine if you're shooting for the moon and you wait on tight end, can you get him as your tight end one? I prefer to go with the second option of what you presented. Yeah, if you're taking someone in the first couple of rounds, you know, Kelsey, Waller, Kittle, et cetera, you know, you're you're counting on those guys to be your tight end score every single week throughout the entire season. Now, when you look at the probability, are there going to be weeks where Higby outscores Kelsey? Sure. Is it going to be a lot of weeks? Very unlikely, right? So like if you take both those guys, it's almost like you wasted a draft pick, assuming Kelsey stays healthy, which is what this is all about. If he stays healthy, there's not going to be a tight end that outscores him, in my opinion. So if you're taking Kelsey, Kittle, Waller, those guys, I probably would not take Higby. To me, I prefer him in those three tight end builds. We were getting a mid-tier guy like Higby and then just kind of getting some late guys. Um, I'm trying to think of a couple of names at the top of my head, maybe like a Mike Gesicki, who's a high upside guy, Gerald Everett, like we talked about, or the player you're going to talk about next. I mean, I feel like this player needs a really, really fire intro because he is one smooth guy. He is one that the ladies have been talking about for years. I mean, everybody's got this guy's jersey. If you haven't bought this guy's, <laughs> if you haven't bought an Anthony Paul Ferkser jersey, what are you doing with your life? I, you know, is I, that on pristine auction? It's got to be. All I know is, did you know that he went to Harvard? That's right. <laughs> Anthony Ferkser is the smartest tight end alive, except for Cameron Brait, who also went to Harvard. But let's talk about Anthony Ferkser, okay? So just whatever you're doing right now, if you got your coffee in the morning, if you're if you're on the toilet, you're already relaxed. This is the part of the podcast that you, when you're listening to, you need to say to yourself, wow, we're talking about a guy who was undrafted. He's on the Titans. Anthony Ferkser, the Ferk daddy. Yes. So we're talking about the Ferk daddy. Oh my gosh. Dude, last year it was so fun to play him because he was 3K every week on DraftKings. Just mid bar, the stone men, you knew you're going to get like two for 12 and a touchdown. Seriously though, Anthony Ferkser was basically like 2,500. 3000 like on DK, it's just like they wouldn't increase his price. But hear me out. Anthony Ferkser, play, <laughs> he plays for the Titans, if you don't know. like I need to. <laughs> You can't even say that without laughing. <laughs> How do you expect anyone to take this seriously? <laughs> okay. Anthony Ferkser. Oh, my gosh. We jokingly referred to him as the Titans tight end one because, bets from week five on, he saw more targets, he had more receptions, and he had more receiving yards, which are all very important for fantasy than Jonu Smith. Like, 
this guy was on the field a ton because they run a a ton of two tight end sets. And he was actually getting the targets that we wanted. And Tennessee right now, like, who's going to be catching the targets? Obviously, A.J. Brown is the stud we all like. But other than Josh Reynolds, like, there's no one else on the scene that we can think of. Like, even for pass-catching running backs, like, they have no one. It's Darrington Evans, Jeremy McNichols. Like, there's no one behind Derrick Henry. So what if Anthony Paul Ferkser is able to scoop up some of the 60% of the vacated targets they have in Tennessee. I think there's a narrative where you can get him on your team as you're tied into. He can be relevant and maybe bets just maybe he turns into this year's Gary Barnage thoughts. Oh, people, there are people probably listening who don't didn't actually play fantasy when Gary Barnage was actually a thing, which was like what? Five, six years ago at this point. Oh, what yeah. a time. What a time to be alive. Gary Barnage, just so you know, was basically a nobody. I mean, his name sounds like he's like works in a warehouse or an accountant, which if you're a warehouse or an accountant and you listen to our show, we love you. But he's a nobody. He was an undrafted free agent, was on the Browns, and he was basically the beneficiary of tons of opportunity. And that's what we like for Ferkser. It's just like there's opportunity in Tennessee for him to see five targets a game. Like five targets is great for the tight end position. Right now, I have him ranked bets. At the tight end 15, you have him at tight end 19, which is fine, but I'm actually pretty bullish on him because for best ball, I think he can enter into that next kind of tier. He can get as high as maybe tight end six or seven if he has not kind of outlier year like Barnage did. Long live Gary Barnage. Tell me I'm not crazy. <laughs> I can't. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, it, no, listen, like the, the really the crux of the argument here is just how many vacated targets there actually are on the Titans. Like, look at the depth chart from last year to this year, and it's just all random dudes. Like, it's just, it's A.J. Brown and a bunch of guys, and that's why everyone is talking about A.J. Brown as, like, this year's massive breakout, you know, wide receiver, one season, A.J. Brown, et cetera, et cetera, which I love, don't get me wrong, but it's not all going to go to A.J. Brown. Someone else has to catch the football, and you're looking at, a you know an offense that we have seen historically use a bunch of two tight end sets so even if he is let's say the 1a 1b type of situation with another tight end there it could still be a good situation for anthony ferkser so i do like the call in terms of him having a lot of value and you know being a really nice price in adp i guess my thing with him is like it's pretty much touchdown or bust you know like i think He's really only going to be fantasy viable and have upside if he's catching the touchdown. But you could say that about every single tight end. It's like not the top, what, six, seven in rankings. So I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm talking myself into the Ferk Daddy more that we talk. Yeah. How dare you disrespect a man who, I have to check this out, might have a degree from Harvard. I don't know if he finished. I'm assuming he did. If you go to Harvard, you finish, right? No, he just went for freshman year, just went for the parties <laughs> and then dipped. <laughs> We actually, just so you know, we hired a writer recently that is starting his PhD at Harvard. Uh, no big deal. No big deal. So yeah, I just think Ferkser is in that tier of players where I look at tight end 15 through, I don't know, 25. Which of those guys have the best opportunity? And I think I can tell myself a story where Ferkser is a player that is valuable for best ball. Like he's my tight end too. I never have to draft him in a position where he's my tight end one bets like in underdog ADP, he's going at 139. So you're getting him in the 12th round. And I think that's a position where I'm okay with that. Let's say if you did Kelsey and Ferk daddy, are you, I mean, are you rolling? 
you might as well quit your job at that point because you're guaranteed to win it all. Yeah, that's that's actually a really nice combo because like you're saying, when you're taking him at the ADP, assuming you have a stud tight end already, you're not relying on Anthony Ferkser. Like if he has a few like two touchdown games, you're throwing money in the air. You're you're having a great week. You don't need him to be, you know, a tight end five in fantasy. So I think that's that's if I'm gonna roster Anthony Ferkser, that's the strategy that I want. I want him as that tight end two behind a stud. Yeah, and if you do win the best ball mania, if you do win that cool million dollars, uh, please buy an Anthony Paul Ferkser jersey so that you can be the only person on the planet that does have that. <laughs> I'm gonna send you one for Christmas this year. That that will you buy me one if you win the best ball mania? I don't even care yes. if he's not on your roster. You have to buy me. Uh, we're putting this on the airwaves right now. Yes, I absolutely will. Okay, good. I'm glad that there's nothing on my side. It's just if you win, I get something. Fair enough. So so those are Bets and I's uh, picks at each position. We have a lot more that we'll include in the Ultimate Draft Kit. We'll actually have a write-up soon in the future where we'll give some of our best best ball values, some of our sleepers. So one of the things that people ask a lot about bets, <laughs> about bets ball um, <laughs> is what do I do at the end of my draft? Like how do I figure out a way to get different from everyone else? Because right now we know ADP but what about the players that are not drafted at all? That's how you get different from a huge field. So Bets and I will be talking about some of that. And then we've got some really great shows coming up. So Bets, listen up. Dude, this is this is what we got coming up for June, which is the summertime. You know, it's it's a good time. But uh, we'll be talking about best ball strategy. So just some of our takes, some of our tips and general strategy. We'll be talking about our favorite stacks to consider. Uh, mid-June, you and I will be doing a live best ball draft together. And let's just call that one the best ball mania, just so that we can on air declare the team that's going to win us the million. I love it. And then at the very end, we will at the very end of June, we will talk about best ball tournament winners. So players that we like that we think, hey, if this player's on your team, here's his ceiling, and here's why we think this is a winner. So Hopefully you'll join us for all of June. It's going to be super fun to talk about, but bets any last parting words for the faithful listeners. Yeah. I appreciate you guys sticking with us for what I felt like was kind of <laughs> off the rail show, but it was a ton of fun, man. Excited to be back to talk best ball all summer. Don't forget the ultimate draft kit. We are cheaper than Netflix. Go get it today. Yes. Have a good weekend. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.